This is episode 83 with Will Blackman. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. I'm your host, Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer, forever athlete, and personal performance coach. Today's guest, Will, is a 12-year NFL vet, during which he won the 2012 Super Bowl with the New York Giants. He's the host of the Wine MVP podcast, where he blends his love for sports and his knowledge for the wine industry. Will has an affinity for the mindfulness approach and credits a lot of the mental work to being what helped him perform at the highest level for so long. So let's dive right in. Will, thanks for coming on to The Athletic Mindset. You are someone that I grew up watching in the league a little bit, so it's kind of... Am I that old? Goddamn, bro. No, you're not that old. I was about to say, I I remember watching you in college. How's that? That's a little bit better. Wait, how old are you? I'm 25. Oh, you know what, damn! I am. I'm probably 37 this year, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Not to age you as we get started. That's weird. That's so weird because I mean, I I feel so young, and you know, I even still get grilled and carded when I go to like liquor stores and stuff. But then when I hear that that stuff right there. Maybe it's because I don't have much facial hair. I think that might be the deal, too. That's about to say, you got to start growing it out. That's how I trick people <laughs> myself. <laughs> First question I got for you is really, how did your upbringing influence your athletic growth and then in turn your personal growth and development? What was that like growing up? Yeah, well, my, my upbringing technically grew up in a single parent household. My, my mother passed away when I was six years old. And then instantly, I remember, I think I'm probably you yeah that following fall I ended up signing up for football and my father he he played football in high school and did semi-pro he had like a tryout with the Jets that was like the extent of his career but he was a pretty good athlete he also ran track but I just always I was infatuated I love football I used to watch all the old school NFL films and I just fell in love with the excuse me the history of football I used to love like Barry Sanders and Lawrence Taylor were the guys I, I just enjoyed. So football was kind of, I was, I was the typical kid who was like obsessed and that's all I wanted to do. I love it. At what point did you realize that this obsession could turn into what it turned into? Like, what was that turning point? Maybe was it in college? Was it pre-college? Oh yeah. It wasn't. I'm from Rhode Island, dude. So it wasn't for a long ass time. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I, I, well, it's funny. One, I had no idea how to even get there. Like, sure. I would love to play in the NFL, but I don't, I don't even know how to be seen or how to get discovered or how to even, I don't even know how it works. You know, mm-hmm. I just knew that anytime there was an opportunity to compete, and to better myself, I, I went for it. You know, that was kind of like my mindset is I always wanted to know how good I was. Not because I was insecure, but I was like, okay, I did well against this person. So, okay, this person is supposed to be the best. Well, let me find out. Let's see how I measure up. So that was kind of always my, my mindset. So even when I was younger, you know, I'm the, I'm the youngest in the family. I'm the baby. So, you know, they always say the third sibling is the best sibling <laughs> competitive wise. And I was always the youngest, no matter where I went, but it, it didn't really become just a fast forward. The NFL didn't become a reality until maybe like the end of my freshman year of college, you know, where I saw, I actually finally started meeting NFL players. Some of my teammates were going on to the NFL and I started seeing articles with my name in it and like sporting news and stuff like that. That's kind of where it was like, huh, this I'm like closer than I think. That's awesome. Uh, it's got to be just a fulfilling 
moments when that dream that was so like abstract for so long is now kind of within your reach, which actually leads me to next question I want to touch on with you is draft night. What was going through your head as you are almost, you're this close to fulfilling that NFL dream. What's that process like you weren't, or you were picked in what the fourth round? Fourth round. Yeah. The, um, the process was weird because I predominantly played corner Mm -hmm. turn of my first three years in my senior year I played like 95 percent receiver I still played some defense but I played receiver corner and returner so the draft process is weird for me because some teams looked at me for receiver some teams looked at me for corner I remember the senior bowl I I went as a corner then uh, NFL combine I went as a receiver and then I just found out you know talking to a former executive on the Packers he was like you know, when we put your name in, half the room was like, okay, what are we drafting them as? Like, they didn't even know. So for me, it was like, gosh, I, I was, I had a grade two to five, you know what I'm saying? And that was, that's a long ass day, two to five back in the day. Mm. And so it was kind of like, it was weird because I didn't know where I was going to go. I seen a lot of people go before me who I thought I should have gone before. And it was kind of bittersweet because I was, Happy to get drafted, but I thought I should have went higher. But I understood why that was because I was good at everything. I didn't master one position. So if you're gonna if you're gonna spend money on a guy, then you want him to master his position. Mm. Yeah. How did you learn to start to use that towards your advantage and really solidify your identity of who you were on the field and off of it in that process? Well, basically, man, I, I use that to my advantage in terms of I was just a football player, man. So I just it ended up just adding value to me. So, mm-hmm. sure, I didn't go first round like most guys dream, but I ended up playing 12 years because I could do everything. So when it came down to like finalizing a roster, it's like, OK, you know, coaches want to know, especially when they look at certain backups. Okay, he's not a starter, but can he play special teams? Can he do this? Can he do that? And I think when it came to me, it's like, okay, Will can start at corner. Will can start at dime, nickel, safety. He's also a really good returner. And in some teams, on some teams, I was an emergency wide receiver. So I always added value, you know, on every single team. I was able to take up like two roster, three roster spots on my own. Yeah, I think once you're in the league, it's – easier to see that value and the impact that you're able to make on the game. And you did it pretty early on in your time in green Bay, doing a little bit of research back on it. And it was like, you guys won a division title, your rookie season, you had multiple defensive and special teams touchdowns and actually one game. What was that like in just the season as a whole? And then what was that like to help boost your confidence being your rookie season? Yeah. My rookie year, it was interesting because I, I, got hurt that year I remember I hurt, broke my foot came back broke my rib and my rookie year was a beast and the, but the second year I came back broke my foot again but I ended up not going on injury reserve and was able to play against the Raiders and that's kind of where I had my breakout game where I was like okay finally this is what he can do so I don't know my I was just just mentally I don't know again where it came from but I was just resilient you know I know a lot of guys they deal with kinds of injuries. They go in the hole, they get depressed, they quit, end up quitting and want to do something else. But I just, I don't know. I just, I love challenges that presented every time. So that's, I think that's why it was different in that regards. 
Yeah, I think that speaks volumes to why your career lasted 12 years. Is I mean, it's no secret that injuries are prevalent in the league. It's something yeah, that it's, it's 100%. It's guaranteed you're going to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah, but I think, I mean, what I'm hearing from you is just like being able to navigate that and just know it's part of the process. Right. They'll show up. How did you keep that motivation high? And instead of following the path of so many of your peers of just being like, well, this is again, like I'm hurt. I'm going to hang it up. I don't know. Again, because it was, it was the one thing that I wanted to do. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So until, until that door was shut, until teams didn't want to sign me, until I couldn't find any medicine or doctors or trainers to keep me healthy or, or heal me. I was going to do whatever it took because again, that's, I was, it was that psychotic obsession, you know, why I was able to find a way it was, it was that, it was that serious. I was that passionate about it, you know, and that's, I think that's kind of why I think when you're, when you're so passionate about something, you'll, you'll figure it out and you'll find a way, you know what I mean? That's the ultimate superpower right there. I think that's what obviously separated yourself from so many of other people there it's why you were able to win a Super Bowl with your time, unfortunately, with the Giants and not with the Washington football team. But, you know, <laughs> we won't split hairs there. What was it like? And we, and we lost to Washington twice that year, too. That's what 20. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, you guys were holding the trophy. What was that like? Not only just as to reach the pinnacle of your sport, but to reach that pinnacle of your own personal journey and, and hold that Lombardi trophy, get a ring and all that. Yeah, no, it was it was cool, man. Just well for the simple fact that the year before I got released by Green Bay and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. So for me to go to New York the following year and find win with them, it was kind of it was more of a relief than it was like, oh, you know, I'm so excited to win because I was with that team that four year plan where they were like, okay, let's go win the Super Bowl. And you know, when I wasn't part of it, that was super tough. You know, because it was all my friends, and then I was thankful to go to New York next year and win that. And it was, you know, it was like a movie. It was super surreal. It was, it was totally cool, man. It's, it's the weirdest thing to explain. It, it just happened in a blur. You know, I don't remember anything from the game really other than a couple of plays, but you know, it was, it was awesome. That's I think the myth of the zone, so to speak, that we all kind of flow state, like what we're trying to reach as athletes is the irony. We actually don't remember most of what actually transpired and took place in that moment because we were so locked in and, and right. focused. Was there anything that you used throughout your career to help you hyper-focus and lock in and get you game ready? Yeah. I mean, initially it was just, that's just how I was wired. You know, I mm -hmm. didn't really use any tricks or tactics, but I think there was a point in my career where I started getting injured a lot and was missing time and losing money and started and all that resulted in me losing confidence. And I met this guy, his name is Jim Rodrigue, and he's, he's not a sports psychologist, but he's more of like a mental performance coach is what he calls himself because he really, he ignites and he strengthens the positive things. You know, it's like, okay, you have muscles already. You know, it's not like we're going to talk about how weak you are, but you already have muscles. So basically when you go lift, you strengthen those and build them up and add the right nutrients. Well, he does that with the subconscious mind. So I really started to, truly start writing and goal setting, you know, and, and train my subconscious so that 
instead of me like overthinking and, and trying to figure things out, it just happened naturally. So I didn't start doing that stuff till I think like year seven, I believe it was six or seven, where it really helped me in, in that in that regard to like goal set and and meditate on those things and 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 like lofty goal set really you know that was what it was it was like make the loftiest goals because you know the the point is you're working towards those you know i'm saying if you don't hit all your goals no big deal but if you you'll make progress when you set those so that's what i started doing what really changed for me yeah i love that line of work i mean that's the line of work i'm in personally so one of the things actually that came up there is meditation how did you start to use that to your advantage and how did you kind of feel about it at first? Were you open-minded towards it? Were you kind of like, that's for the hippies. I'm not going to really implement yeah, no, it. I'm, I'm, I'm totally chill and Zen man. It's just that I didn't feel like I needed anything. Cause I was, I always felt good and felt confident and felt prepared and, and was never scared. But once things started happening, my body started changing and, you know, I started getting hurt. Then of course, you know, I lost confidence, anxiety kicks in, all kinds of things happen from a mental perspective that really causes you to not perform at your best because you're, you're really locking all of those internal powers that you have that I was, that I had before I started doing stuff. So really to, to really calm everything down, to, to reset and, and fix all that stuff, you have to do it internally. Like there's no medicine. You can take all the drugs, whatever you want to do, but that's not going to really solve the root of the problem. So, you know, I started doing it because I needed to, I needed to calm my ass down. And so like, meditating and used to use the muse headband and all that stuff. And, but like I said, the biggest thing was, was the goal setting was to write stuff down, to journal, to document and to keep, you know, every year I would invent my season, you know what I mean? So that's what, when I, t- when I do talks about mindset, I really help guys you know, or, or girls help them invent their season, you know, and that's, that's something that I, I'm really a big believer in because it's, yeah. I tell people like, especially right now I'm training guys to get ready for the NFL. And I said, when you get to the league, everyone has some kind of physical mutant ability, right? Everyone is fast, strong. They're there because of the physical attributes. The biggest thing that separates anyone is the mind. You know, you really find out a lot about somebody. Are they, you know, that that saying, are they, are they about that life? Are they really about that life? You know, and that's, that's the biggest difference is what I found out is like the mindset is very, very different. Are guys willing to go there? Are guys willing to challenge themselves? Are guys really, are guys that resilient to push themselves through? So yeah, dude, that's, (laughs) I'm all about the mind game, dog. You summed up the premise of this podcast right there. I might have to hire you to just record that intro for right there. I'm 100% with you. That's really what honestly selfishly piqued my interest in starting this platform is to speak with people that are about that life, find how they got there, what it is they do, and then share that with an audience. And it, just in talking with you for 15, 20 minutes at this point, I already fully understand the extent of how much about it you are. If you had to boil it down to one or two things that really separated you and allowed you to play at that highest level in, in football for 12 years, what would that be? I think I, I, owe, I embraced every challenge. Right. That was that was the biggest thing for me is I embraced every challenge, whether it was a challenge in terms of a a good opponent. You know, for example, 
when I first got signed, when Washington first signed me in 2015, shit, the next week I had a, I had to play against Julio and Julio, he already had like three back-to-back 200 yard games. And I knew as soon as I got to my locker, like the cameras are in my face, like, boom, like here he is. And you know, Will, what do you think about Julio next week? I was like, it's, I'm excited. You know, he, I gave him all the praise. He's a creative player. I said, but it's going to be super fun because I really get to measure up against the, one of the best. You know, I was curious. I embraced that. Same thing in terms of, you know, getting up in the morning. If you feel like crap, you know, it's like, okay, that's another challenge. Embrace it. Same thing like social media. I've seen some people talk about like, you know, I, I, I hate social media because it's, it's, people are mean. People it's always talking smack. Da, 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 da. Like, how do you... They asked me, how do you handle it? I said, I just embrace it. I signed up for it. There's gonna, there are going to be people there. That's just what it is, you know? So I always, there used to be a company called ETG, Embrace the Grind, you know, an MMA wrestling company. And I believe it. Oh, I just embrace everything as it is. And when I do, that totally relaxes me and I get to just do what I got to do. Yeah, you kind of start to let life just kind of unfold the way it's supposed to rather than, always trying to force your way through it and be a bull through life. I think there's a, what I'm hearing from you and your mentality is there's a still a way to be you and be like this aggressor or whatever you want to call it, but let it come to you at the same time. Like there's that balance between the two. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you let it come to you, but as long as you're able to understand the situation, then it's all good. You know, whether you like it or not, at least you like you get information. Okay, if a team lets me go and they're like, "Well, you know, it's a," they don't really give me a reason. Then that's not that doesn't make any sense. At least tell me straight up, "Hey, we think this guy is better than you." Mm-hmm. I probably disagree, but if that's their opinion, then it, it, I understand it. It makes sense, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm all about just as long as you're able to understand why things are the way they are, then you can, you know, I'm comfortable. I love it. I want to, I want to start to understand why the things are the way they are in Washington. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your time there. You brought it up. What was the culture like there when you were there versus say the culture in the giants locker room during the Super Bowl years as a player, are you able to kind of feel that energy innately in the locker room and just kind of know like, all right, we got something special here and it's not in these other rooms Cause I mean, obviously my life's a little frustrating watching as a fan of the football team. I want to see them turn things around culturally. No, and they, and they will. And you know what? It's like the, the issue was when I was there, it, was, it started up top and we had a lot of, you know, in terms of what our owner, what the president, what the GM and the head coach, they all weren't on the same page mm-hmm. in an organization. When those four guys are not on the same page, then it doesn't matter what happens like some way, somehow, the, the play on the field will get impacted, you know? So just like you build a house and the foundation is at the bottom well, and in, in the football franchise and the NFL franchise, the foundation is actually upstairs and whatever they do up there, it trickles down to the rest of the building. So it's really hard to perform when the best interest isn't about making a really good football team. Mm. Really, the focus is really on like, how can we make sure we look good politically versus putting a good product on the field? So when that was the issue and the emphasis was not about the product on the field, then that's where we had issues. You know what I mean? 
And when I was in Green Bay, when I was in New York, you know, like those are, it was more about, you know, football. It was all about football. And that's the best teams. It's, it's all about football. I love that. I think. I mean, that's what Ron is now, though, like getting Ron, Coach Rivera, getting Jason Wright, like getting the right people in that building is what's going to help them. And it already is. They already got everybody out of there that they wanted to get out. Yeah. You know, because there's no, there's no way they can move forward if they have certain people in place that, that aren't with, you know, with the goal in mind, you know. Very well said. As a fan, I'm picking up on that. Obviously, this past year was a little bit better. Do you have a, out of just pure curiosity, do you have a team that you most identify with your playing career or are you kind of neutral at this point? I'm neutral. Yeah, I don't, you know, I support all, all the teams I play for. You know, I'm always brought onto their radio stations or TV stations to talk about them, but I pay attention to the teams I play for. Um, I still, Simply because I have, you know, I'm in touch with the fans and any team I play for, I totally interacted with the fans. So that's why I still stay in touch with the teams I've been with for that reason. Yeah, I love it. Always giving back. I want to. I didn't, but I didn't like, oh, I retired as a pack. I retired as a Redskin. Like, I didn't say anything like that. I just stopped playing. (laughs) It's easier that way, right? I want to talk on what you've been up to, obviously, since you stopped playing. Yeah. One of the main things is. You got into wine, hardcore, the wine MVP. Is that self-proclaimed title or is that given to you? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, no, it was self-proclaimed. It was originally the NFL wine guy, but then I wanted to create a company without using the acronym NFL. So the wine MVP fit because I think it just crossed over to any genre, any sport with that. And yeah, it's basically a VIP wine concierge company. I help, you know, buy wine for, for guys or, you know, whoever wants wine and, trips and tastings and events and all that stuff. So I'm able to curate all that. And I, and I got into it just because instead of having my own wine, I enjoy being the middleman. The biggest thing for me is I love to give, I love to share, I love to help. And, and this allows me to do that with the wineries and consumers. Yeah. I think what you're doing there is fantastic. And obviously you turned the IG lives were turning up for a little while. I was, I was checking out the, <laughs> the guest lineup you had it was pretty impressive. Is that kind of the premise of, the podcast that you started off of all that kind of yeah yeah just to get certain personalities and people on there i think that's kind of the premise behind that and, and that, i think that's super fun so you know some actually what's cool is those those are super organic like a lot of people reached out to me like the one that mary j Blige, you know i was like oh wow like she wants to do one okay cool but i'm not gonna say no to that one you know what i mean so yeah it's been it's been cool i was about to say some good things happen when you start to open or host a platform that allows just for organic connection and sharing a common passion. Yeah. One thing I do want to ask on, you mentioned the competitive drive and really being all in on football for so long. How have you learned to navigate that now without football being a part of the everyday life anymore and finding, I guess, outlets that actually benefit you instead of going down these dark roads that we see other former athletes going towards? Well, the hardest thing is, okay, when I played football, it was, that was my passion, right? That was the one thing I wanted to do. So like, when you're done playing it's, and, that's, and that was like your main thing, it's, it's like taking the hamster off the wheel, you know, it's like now what? And I didn't, I didn't want to just go do something for the sake of doing it. Like, sure, I can go coach, 
I can go work at a football franchise. I don't know, front office, like I'm doing TV stuff, but like what's really going to move me because I don't want to do something that I'm not passionate about. Otherwise it's, it's a waste of my time. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoy all those things. I get hired by agents around this time of year to help get their guys ready for the draft. Um, I do that every year with defensive backs, which I love, but you know, the wine thing is for me, it's, it's like when I was a kid and, and learned the history of football right now, I'm learning the history of wine. I think it's, I think it is exciting and I think it's cool. And it's literally a, a passport, you know, a passport around the world uh, just by and learning about all these different grapes and wines. And yeah, I think it's super cool for me, man. I, that's just, that's just me. And there are some days that suck, but you know, every day I get up and I got an exam coming up, you know, Sunday that I've been studying for and that's hard as hell. Yeah. You know, but, you know, I'm, I'm going for it. So I was about to say, I think that's the thing people get it twisted. It's like, just because you're chasing a passion, pursuing something that you love, doesn't mean that you're not going to have bad days throughout. Like, yeah, I saw saw one of the best quotes ever. And it was actually from Kevin Hart. And he said, obviously like it's easy to give up, right? It's easy to quit. But what's hard, he said, is to get up, give 100% and nothing happened. And then to get up the next day, maybe you give 110% if possible and nothing happened. He said, and then you get up, you get up a, a third day and you really go after it and nothing happens. He said, that's the real grind where you, you get up and bust your ass every day and as sometimes just nothing happens you know that's where you really have to grind that's the grind mm. some yeah there are some times where you i may go a month and nothing's flowing but i'm like okay let me just stick stick with it stick with it where some people are like man is this what i want to do i should move on and do something else because nothing's clicking right so the real grind is when you just keep scratching 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 right it's that that image of the guy with the pickaxe in the tunnel right that everyone had seen like just keep just keep going you know what i mean so i i thought that was a really really cool quote no i I love that quote and i think it sums it up perfectly it sums up the athletic mindset pretty well in the sense of like you don't become this world-class athlete through one workout no you don't or even a coach when i was in jacksonville we went oh and eight we went we started the season oh and eight and our coach was Gus Bradley, who's now on the Raiders. And he came to work every day holding the vision and trusting the process. He's like, we will get a victory. I'm not going to – just because things aren't working right now, I'm not going to change this. I'm not going to – yeah, we may look at different personnel, but I'm not going to change how I am because we're literally starting from scratch. So he came to work every day with the same positive energy, the same positive vibe, and – eventually finally like got our win and uh, yeah that's just accredited to how he was you know because everyone's like damn dude this guy's coming to work every day like we suck right now but he's coming to work positive every single day regardless of what it is because he believes eventually we're going to get that win so yeah i mean you never know when you're right on the the cusp of the breakthrough right stuff I want to ask you the fast five. There are five quick questions, one word, one sentence answers to kind of wrap things up here before you go. So number one I got is your go-to podcast that no one's heard of. What is it? It's the Wine MVP podcast, baby. <laughs> I was going to say, if you, didn't, 
if you my didn't plug yours. Yeah, my own show, which I'm at, it's uh first episode will be out Thursday, which is actually National Wine Drinking Day. <laughs> Perfect timing for that one. Yeah. <laughs> Favorite book you've read in the past year? Oh, dude, I just finished Willpower. Dude, that right there is is amazing because, you know, obviously he talks about willpower, but he taught he really talked about willpower being kind of like an energy bar, you know, where it can get depleted. So mm. that when there are times during your day where you really need to tap into it and there's nothing left, that's kind of where you fold, right? Let's say if you're, you know, you're trying to be disciplined and strict on your diet. Well, if you're not, if you're, if there's a point in your day where you're undisciplined and it actually depleted some of your willpower, well, if there's a time where you're like, okay, it's dinner time, do I want the healthy item or do I want the unhealthy item? And you don't have any more willpower left and you end up going for the unhealthy item because of what you did during your day. He was like, really? He said, really be on the offensive so that you don't have to use your willpower when you screw up. Mm. You know, I thought that was like fascinating, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not an infinite resource. It's definitely something that we need to be protective of and, and be mindful of. So yeah, willpower. That's the book. We'll put it in the show notes too. Quote you live by right now. Quote I live by is adversity can cause you to do two things. Adversity can cause you to break, as in break down as a human being, or adversity can cause you to break records. Love that. That's my Love goal that. right there, man, because you, you always have a choice. Yeah. I think that's what people forget. The choice aspect of yeah, that. Because I, I always look at it like so, someone else has been in my position and has succeeded. Mm. Someone has there's always a way through them, if that's the case. One thing you can't live without is number four. Like, uh, like a person or material thing or? One thing. It can be whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, say, I'll be cheesy and say my wife. <laughs> that's a big deal. Day after Valentine's Day. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> what last one I got for you? Number five is what's your one word focus at this point in time? My one word focus. What do you mean? If you have just like one thing, like for me, it's present, reminding me to to lock back in on on this moment instead of worrying about what's going on in the future or what's happened before. That's this moment. Yeah, that one present. Yeah, always, yeah, she always mentioned like just to be present. No, I agree. That's a good one. Just resilient because that's that's been my word forever. Just being able to, you know, weather the storm no matter what the circumstances. You know, even even last year, like I wasn't a big person of like everyone's like F2020, F COVID, F this, F that. I'm like or people complaining and da da da. I'm like, dude, we're, we're all affected by it in some capacity. It's like, again, you have a choice. What are you going to do? I remember on the phone talking, talking to my buddy, Emmanuel Acho. I'm like, what are you going to do, bro? He was like, he was like, only way I can help is I'm just going to try to educate people the best, as best I can. He said, I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to start a series called uncomfortable conversations with a black man. And I'm going to just, you know, talk about that. And I was like, bet dude, like go for it. Not, you know, look at him now. I was, <laughs> that like, exploded pretty well. <laughs> it, oh, I'm tell, yeah, but that's what I'm saying, though. That's what he did. He made yeah. a choice and went. You know, I ended up being 
top 40 under 40 wine enthusiasts. I've made every publication you can think of, you know, because I made, I'm like, okay, I'm going to find a way. I feel like the guys, guys are ladies or gentlemen who were, I think who had an active creative mindset. They're the ones that pull through, I think, mm -hmm. during this time where those who, who weren't as active in that, in that area struggled you know, or, or they, or they never dealt with any kind of adversity in their life before. Yeah. I think it comes back to your resilient and willpower statement earlier of just like being on the offense and being proactive with it. I think so many of us, when the news broke, which is hard to believe about a year ago that things were shutting down, things were going to look different. The ones that sat back and said, okay, I'll wait for things to, to reopen. I'll wait for my job to say I can come back to work. I'll wait versus the people that said, I have no idea when that's going to happen. I want to go out and make something right. I want to make the most of what I got these cards right. that are dealt to me and I'm going to make the most of my life. Yep. Very, very well said. Well, I appreciate your time. One, I want to say, I appreciate just the way you've played throughout your years, but even more so now how you show up and the impact that you're making and the world is, is really cool to see where can those listening in keep up with all things that you're doing, whether it's yeah, just, just go to all my social media at Will Blackman. Is that simple? At Will Blackman, all my stuff is there. Keep you up to date on everything that's going on. Easy enough. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Will. It's great to see the impact he's making beyond the game, finding a way to channel an early obsession with the game of football into success in all areas of his life. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I encourage you to share this episode with a friend, a family member, or a teammate who could benefit from hearing Will's story. Remember, if you can change your mindset, you can change your life one thought at a time. I'll see you all on Monday.